All right. <clears throat> Exodus 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I and I also seen I will sorry, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the, the, Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with me. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Please pray with me. 
Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you today. Uh, Father God, we ask um, that in this time together, um, your spirit would be here, be present with us. Um, we pray over Lockwood. We pray that you'd give him a word to speak to us, that you would use him, speak through him, Lord. Um, we pray that your Holy Spirit would inform our hearts to be perceptive uh, to what you're speaking to us this morning. Um, God, we love you. We pray that you'd bless us, Lord. Um, and we just usher this church into a time of abundance and a season of community and fellowship, Lord. Uh, we love you and we praise you this morning. Amen. Hello. There I am. We're not going to talk about the whole chapter because it's long. Jesse, you're a great reader, by the way. If I'd have read that, you guys would have been like, wow. Um, but I wanted him to read it just because uh, I feel like it gives you the context from, from which um, I'm going to be talking this morning. And it kind of tells a story, and it's a cool story. And I know many of you have probably heard the story many times. Um, but this morning, I specifically want to talk about uh, something that's really a, a couple of thoughts that I've been kind of thinking through and pondering about for a while, and, and really a verse that has really in the last 15 years just, I, I still haven't figured out, but I feel like the Lord gave me some cool downloads um, in the last couple of weeks on, and I just want to share some of those thoughts with you. Um, really particularly um, when, uh, how Moses responds to the call. So a lot of us, you know, um, you know, are at pivotal points or in transitional points in our lives, and if you're not, you will be eventually. So it's interesting to see, like, how does Moses respond to a call? Um, but I kind of wanted to start off, too, sharing a little bit of my, my story uh, with you all, just to give a little context. Um, so when I was 22 to 23, I really just uh, was empty, honestly. Uh, coming out of, I guess, maybe even younger, 21, 22, coming out of my undergraduate years, I was raised in a church um, and was exposed to the gospel at a young age and was exposed to a lot of stuff, a lot of religiosity, a lot of, um, a lot of things that I'm still unpacking, honestly, today. Not necessarily bad things, but things that I just never really thought through. Um, and so, you know, in, in my latter years of college, I really just was like, what, who am I uh, and what am I here to do? I just felt like what I was seeking at that point in my life, what I was searching for, um, it wasn't satisfying me. So it was like, all right, I got to hit, I got to hit the reset button and just reevaluate everything. Like, who am I? Like, why am I here? What is my call? I, I'm kind of a all or nothing type guy in anything that I do. Like, um, so I just really push pause on my life. Uh, really kind of just went out from a lot of my friends, just kind of, I went from more of an extroverted per person to more of an introverted person. I started reading a lot. Um, and then I wanted to reevaluate this thing that I had been exposed to at a young age uh, that people were calling the gospel. You know, who is this Jesus guy? Like, I, yes, I walked the aisle and got baptized eight times before I was like 15. What did that mean? Like, so I just totally reset the whole thing. Um, like it, and, and so it was driven from just an emptiness. It was driven from, a, I, I can't continue to go on living this life unless I'm at least beginning to build it on something that is fundamental, is foundational. 
So that's kind of the, the, the borderline. It's, it's interesting. I heard, um, and I'm by no mean, means taking some nutritional position here because uh, I know it's a hot topic. Uh, and I only could give this analogy probably in Malibu. If I was in the South right now, they'd be like, what are you talking about? But um, I, I, heard, I was talking to the chef the other day, and he was talking about this um, whole food detox. Um, and he was talking about how, you know, a lot of times we get so caught up in processed foods that we need to just revert back to just primitively how we used to eat. And, um, you know, another big topic is, is allergies. You know, everyone's trying to treat different allergies, treat different symptoms, and that's going across the U.S. right now, people trying to, you know, treat different allergies. And so this guy's whole theory was like, well, let's just revert. Let's do a whole food detox for two weeks. Let's just eat basic whole foods and then let's start reintroducing certain things into the diet and see if we're, actually, if we're actually allergic to gluten. Because really, it could be just a gut problem, and we don't have healthy guts. So, you know, the kombucha and, um, you know, probiotic stuff, that will clean your gut out a little bit more. So anyway, my point for saying that is, is that's kind of where I was at. This is a Malibu analogy, of course. <laughs> um, whew, uh, my southern people would make fun of me right now. But... Um, so, so really, and, and that's essentially what I was doing. I, ha I had to reset and just be like, who am I? Let's start building these blocks and let's start, and I'll start, you know, reaching back out to my friends. And once I start figuring out things and, and just be fundamentally grounded in a way that I, I began to start building blocks on things that I knew were truth. And so um, I was ravaged, ravaged by the message of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ because everything that I had really learned growing up, I don't know if it just really took rude or if it was something I just heard it differently for what for whatever reason once I kind of reset it began to take root and it changed me forever I, I met my wife about that time and I was going you know and, and we began to 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 form our relationship based around our relationship with the Lord and so I began the Lord for some reason had some type it was a like a burning bush it was like a reset it was a paradigm shift in my life um, so insert Moses um, and just to give you a little bit of context, Moses has a really interesting life because um, I know you all know the story, but I'll just touch a little bit on the context of it. You know, Moses for the first 40 years of his life essentially was raised as the prince of Egypt. Um, he, was, he got the best education you could possibly have during these times. Um, the story of it goes is, is the Israelites were producing so fast and so much um, that Pharaoh began to be threatened, so he, issues, he issued a, um, uh, an edict to take out all the, uh, the male children. And so, you know, Moses was put in the, um, in the basket and put out into the Nile, and, uh, you know, the Pharaoh's daughter found her and then essentially raised him uh, for the next 40 years. So here's Moses, the first 40 years, years of his life, raised as, um, you know, the prince of Egypt. And then... All of a sudden, he, you know, in that time, he finds out, you know, that he, he is Hebrew, that he is Jewish, and um, that those people are, the, like, his people are those slaves. And, and you know, he, he's, he's, one day he's trying to defend the honor, supposedly, of, 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 of one of the Egyptians who's whipping one of the slaves, and he ended up killing um, the Egyptian, which not only upset the Egyptians, but really upset his people as well. So he, he gets exiled. So for the next 40 years, he is basically in exile, but he wanders upon a well, um, 
and defends the honor of some women that were in, in, at the well, ends up beating his wife who was there at the time, um, and goes back to her, her father's home who was a, a priest of a local village. And for the next 40, life, 40 years, he becomes a shepherd. So here's probably the most highly educated shepherd in the history of shepherds. You know, can you just imagine Moses that in those 40 years, just he's wandering around. He's like, God, what? So I was the, you know, you, you have this whole plan for me. What is going on? Who am I? You know, and so all of a sudden one day, um, you know, Moses is, is, is uh, man, let me see where I am here. Um, so, so all of a sudden one day, insert the first couple verses of chapter three. He's sitting there and he's, he's, he's um, doing what shepherds do, you know, walking the flock. And all of a sudden he sees, sees a burning bush. Um, and the bush wasn't being consumed by the fire. So he sees this paradigm. And I'm going to use the word paradigm a lot. Um, but basically, it's a fundamental change in approach to our underlying assumption. So basically, a paradigm um, is something that draws us away from the ordinary. Uh, and I'm going to talk about burning bushes that we all have. I'm going to give several different examples of <clears throat> burning bushes that take place in our lives every day, paradigm shifters. Because one of the biggest attacks of the enemy is complacency. It's for us not to have paradigm shifts in our life. Um, so the first burning bush that might occur in our life is a paradigm shift in the way that we think. Um, excuse me, I'm going hoarse. My, uh, I've been battling a little cold. Hold on a second. This caffeine will really help. <laughs> so a paradigm shift in thinking. And uh, C.S. Lewis writes about it in um, the Screw Tape Letters. So basically, Screw, Screw Tape Letters is a fictional um, novel written by C.S. Lewis from the perspective of Screwtape, who's like the senior level devil, to the junior level devil who's like Wormwood, basically saying how we can convert people, how we can keep people to go to hell rather than heaven. So it's, it's a pretty interesting read if you haven't read it. Um, but it really, it, hit, it hits home on a lot of the temptations that we have every day. But here's a little excerpt in, um, that uh, is, is from, from that book. The trouble... Um, the trouble about argument is that it moves the whole struggle onto the enemy's own ground. He can argue too, whereas really practical propaganda of the kind I'm suggesting he has been shown for centuries to be greatly the inferior of our father below. By the very fact of arguing, you awake the, patient, the patient's reason. And once it is awake, who can foresee the result? Even if a particular train of thought can be twisted so as to the end in our favor, you will find that you, you have been strengthening in your patient the fatal habit of attending to universal issues and withdrawing his attention from the stream of immediate sense experiences. Your business is to fix his attention on the stream. Teach him to call it real life, and don't let him ask what he means by real. And so really what it's essentially saying, um, basically this excerpt is from um, uh, one of the, the guys that one of the devils is tempting is, is actually reading in a book that's provoking thought and provoking questions that, um, about life, about science, about whatever, that he hadn't, hadn't really dealt with before. And in that provoking, the, the, the devil is saying, don't argue with him, don't do the counter thought, but just make him realize that he, he has a day to go on with. He has to go eat lunch. He's hungry right now to get on with complacency. So a paradigm shift that we all have or potentially could have every single day 
is something that we're reading. It might be a conversation that we have. Um, movies. Uh, it might be a character in a movie that really, oftentimes, my wife and I both are very much influenced by movies. There's some movies that we can't see because afterwards we get depressed. Um, and we get emotionally moved. And it can be a great thing, but sometimes it causes my thinking to change for a couple of days. But it could be great because it, it actually gets you to question certain things. Um, you know, how deep the Father's love, the lyrics of that song, just listen to these lyrics. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Like to make a wretch his treasure. So we are the wretch and God is making us his treasure. Like to me, that is a paradigm shifting lyric. Like if you really unpacked to make a wretch his treasure, how is God making us his treasure and, and why am I a wretch? I'm a wretch because of my depravity, the fact that I'm a sinner. Sort of like to get to thinking, if you actually think through lyrics, I think part of, of our culture today is so just distracted with the next thing, the routine, the complacent lifestyle, being comfortable that we don't actually have paradigm shifting thinking. Uh, another paradigm shifter um, could, be, uh, it could be the influence of a person. Um, a lot of the Pepperdine students here, I don't know, if a lot of the current students actually know, but uh, Maurice Hilliard, who was, uh, he was one of the chaplains at, at, at Pepperdine, and he's heavily influenced a lot of people in this church, particularly, particularly like Krista Joel, who else? Who was some of the big? Jesse. Jesse, and a lot of the people that have played sports. But I, I, I came into, and Maurice would come by here occasionally, and I got to know him a little bit, but he was a paradigm-shifting individual because he would take what an ordinary Christian would doing or, or supposedly doing and he would just take a different way on, on prayer, the way that he would pray, the way that he would treat people. wasn't how people typically did. Um, and, and so he, he influenced people in a way that challenged him to think differently about, hey, why do we pray and how do we pray? Why do we pray how we pray? You know, so it was a paradigm shifting in the way that, that a person influenced him. Another way that... Um, that um, um, people, their paradigms are shift uh, as a result of an in, inexplicable circumstance. Um, you know, for instance, like the birth of a child, the death of a family member, the death of a family member. Um, you know, there's some people, um, one, of my, uh, one of my colleagues and, and who I work with, Christopher Gray, he has a child, um, a special needs child, and I know they've had to readjust their lifestyle. They had to move from Seattle to here because they found that the closer they were to the ocean, um, the, the child would have uh, less seizures. So, the, I mean, that's talking about going from living your life, and the Addisons are a perfect example. Like, Callie is a paradigm shifter. You know, you've had to readjust and rethink every single detail of your life differently because of that shift in the way um, that your life has just totally changed. And so we all have these little burning bushes in our life. Um, and um, the fourth one, a paradigm shift uh, as an inexplicable emptiness. Like, so when I let off and I was talking about, um, I had an emptiness in my life that I just could not find any fulfillment in anything I was pursuing that led me to ultimately be like, I gotta change or else I don't know where this is gonna end. I have no idea how this is gonna end, but I cannot continue to live my life the way that I'm living it right now. So there was a huge paradigm shift. So here's Moses. 
And you can just imagine for the last 40 years now, he has a family. He's got a complacent kind of comfortable lifestyle as a shepherd. But he's like, God, you've, you've given me this gift, you've, this, this gift of education, of leadership. And now here I am. I'm, I'm 80 years old. And I'm wandering in the wilderness with a bunch of sheep, you know. I guess this is what, you know, what's, what, what your call on my life is. But is it really? And so all of a sudden there's this burning bush. And, and, it's, and the bush isn't being consumed. You can imagine that Moses was like, heck yeah, what is going on here? I'm just looking for some change. What is this? So he turns aside. So he wants to know. He's curious. Um, and and this, is one of the, this is one thing that I've always been really curious about, turning aside. What does that mean, to turn aside? You know, is your heart prepared to turn aside and react to a major paradigm shift in your life? Or do we just ignore it? But Moses was ready for that paradigm shift, so he turns aside and he leans into it. Um, you know, I was encouraged by a friend I just lost, uh, one of, uh, my grandmother, a couple weeks ago. And I was encouraged by a good friend to, to really lean into to grieving her death and um, really become vulnerable to really evaluate what she meant to me, her legacy, and so I did, and I grieved for a couple weeks, and I'm still kind of grieving every time I think about it. But it was so good and so healthy, and I get to, I get to experience depths of myself and depths of, of other relationships that I have that I never experienced before because I leaned into it. And you don't know what's going to happen when you lean in. It could be a rather emotional experience. It could be very tough relationally. In fact, most of the time it's, it's tough before it gets better. But I leaned into it, and, and honestly, I had the opportunity. Um, I tried to avoid the opportunity, but I, I was handed the opportunity to have the closing statements at her funeral, and it meant the world to me. And I didn't, I didn't script anything. I just got up and just, I just spilt out. And because I, I, I was able to lean in, the Lord gave me the grace to just really just um, share what she meant to me. And it was, it, was a, it was a huge milestone in my life and, and just maturity and and. And we all are, are coming in contact with these things all the time. So I just want to encourage you, just like Moses, when you have that paradigm shift, lean into it. Because you're going to know yourself more. You're going to know who God is more than you ever have before. You're going to have to, because there's no other way out. Um, so now, so Moses leans in, and, and I want to just kind of, kind of try to reenact a little bit the dialogue that t- takes place. So when Moses leans in, Jesus, our, our God, the, the angel of God, um, calls out, Moses, Moses. And um, the importance of that double name, it's kind of like a multiplication effect. Like just single Moses, you know, times uh, saying Moses twice is like worth. Like it's just huge. It's like, um, it's, it's just really, I'm trying to think of the words to say the, the, the multiplication effect on that. But it's, he's really, he's reaching out in an endearing way. Moses, Moses. It's like a call of importance. Um, but there's this kind of contradiction that takes place right after this, which is really interesting, a paradigm shift, if you will. Um, Moses says, here I am. So he calls him out. I'm here. And then he says, stop. What are you doing? And Moses is like, well, I thought you were calling me. You, you put this bush on fire here. You're calling me to come closer. And he says, do not come near. And he's like, well, wait a minute. It's on fire. You call me out, Moses, Moses. And all of a sudden you're like, stop. And he says, um, so he says, uh, take off your shoes for your own holy ground. And so 
What's so cool about that um, is, is I, I want to paint a picture um, right now. I don't want to paint a picture of a fairy tale God, of a God that sits on a shelf. Um, I, I want to paint a picture of the God that created this world. He's beyond anything we can fathom. He's more wrathful and just than you could ever imagine. At the same time, he has more grace and love than you can ever imagine. This isn't just a, it's beyond masculine or feminine traits. It's so beyond that. It's beyond what we can even wrap our mind around. But our God is not a soft God. It's like, no, Moses, it's on my terms. It's not on your terms. So often today we try to put God in a box or define him and live our lifestyle based upon what we can justify in our mind of what we think is good and what's not. But God's like, no, 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 no. I'm so much bigger than that. If you're coming on board, which you are, you're coming this direction, you're going to do it on my terms. And so he's like gaining the respect at that point um, from Moses. Uh, I, I can't. It's so important for, for us to have that picture of who God is. Like, like even thinking through the plagues, like these aren't just little soft little plagues here. Like he's killing the firstborn sons of Egyptians. He's turning the water into blood. The repercussions are huge. This isn't just a soft fairy tale God here. Like it's so big and it's so powerful. Um, and, 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 and this God requires perfection. He is an absolutely just God. I'm going to come back to what I just said, but he is a God that requires perfection. And he says, um, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And so the weight of Moses turning aside, leaning in, and responding to God's call is heavy. That's a big freaking deal. Um, and it's a submission. It's a submission to, to God's will it's submission to God's plan. Um, and Moses does provide a willingness to surrender and a willingness to be led by God. And then, you know, the, the, we read through the whole um, chapter. You could see that, that the call is daunting, to say the least. I was, um, supposedly, I was talking to Renner a little bit before the sermon. There are about 600,000 men um, that were slaves uh, in Israel, uh, in Egypt at that time. So 600,000 men, um, um, Israelites. And so that meant that there was, I don't know, the average person in the family was four to five. And then you, you include the fem females. That's like four to six million people. So I'm asking you to go to a pharaoh in Egypt that's going to lose his largest workforce. And, and, and not only are you just going to leave, but you're going to plunder his people before you leave. Really? Like that's a call. Like, that's an intimidating, like, okay, God, seriously, I clearly can't do that. That's exactly how I responded. You know, no, you know, how, you know, and who am I going to, who am I going to tell him sent me? You know, I am, um, which is a whole other sermon. But um, Moses and is the mediator for God, but he is a foreshadowing of the, the, the mediator to come, who is Jesus Christ. Um, so... You know, Moses introduces the law, but Jesus comes and not only fulfills the law, but introduces the law of, of, of grace. Um, and so uh, Mo, uh, Jesus is, is the perfect mediator. Um, I want to conclude with this. Um, we all have 
these burning bushes in our life. I, I, I want to compel you and encourage you to lean in to these burning bushes, but I also want you to realize the ult, who the ultimate paradigm shifter was, and that was Jesus Christ. What he did by dying on the cross changed the world from which we know it. It flipped everything absolutely upside down. Um, and what happened on that cross, and I'm coming back to what I said, God is an awesome God. He requires absolute perfection. And guess what? We're not perfect. All of us here, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, there's none righteous, no, not one. So there's none of us that qualify for his perfection. So all the sin that we've ever um, had, all the thoughts, everything that we've ever done and will ever do, um, the wrath and, and, and the payment for that sin, because God is perfectly just, was all 100% put on the way to Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life. So when you understand how all-powerful the creator of this universe is and how he requires perfection, perfect justice, and all that requirement, all that wrath, what he did with all those plagues times a million was put on his son, Jesus Christ. That's why he died for us. And now we're covered because justice had to be perfectly served like it was, and it came as a man on a cross named Jesus Christ. And so I have to paint that picture for myself because I don't understand the weight of this paradigm shift. If we can begin to fathom the weight of the paradigm shift, it's going to change the way that we live every moment of our life. It is the lens from which to view. When you say gospel, that's what I'm talking about, gospel. That, that is the power that we need. That is the hope that we can have. Um, that is the lens from which we can view everything, our day-to-day -day life, our struggles, are burning bushes that we can lean into. We can lean into these burning bushes, these struggles in our life because of what Christ did on the cross on our behalf. Um, I want to read a couple verses. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Um, says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hey, baby. <laughs> um, I want to read another verse, Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We, enjoy, we rejoice in the burning bushes because we can lean in, um, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us.
One more. Uh, Hebrews 4, 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who's the ultimate mediator. Jesus, the ultimate mediator. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now that we as believers covering under, coming under a cover of your son, Jesus Christ, we can be burning bushes. We can stand in the flame of God as a humble bush and be not consumed by the fire because we are con covered completely by your son. Father God, I just pray that, um, Lord, we recognize the changes, the paradigm shifts um, in our lives and we lean into them knowing that that's what the enemy wants, uh, wants us not to do is lean in, not to deal with it, not to have the hard conversation with a family member or with a wife or with a child, but to do that, Father God, and it might get more challenging before it gets better, but ultimately we know that you went before us and you are the ultimate paradigm shifter. Uh, when you sent your son, you flipped this world upside down, God, and we know that we have access to him um, perfectly, Father God. We have perfect access to him and that we are fully accepted. We are fully justified because of him. We don't have to do any works to gain our acceptance um, or to gain your favor, that you love us perfectly because when you see us, you see your son. And Father God, I just pray that as this week goes on, that we think through this message, Lord, that you, you ravage my heart by this message, that you allow me to unpack what was just said more so. Father God, that you allow me to lean in um, that you challenge all of us this morning, Father God. In your name I pray, amen.